Welcome to episode 337 of the Sound Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my ever-dependable co-host, Peter. <laughs> hi, Kurt. Well, and hi, audience. Welcome welcome to the uh, the pumpkin spice cream savers flavored <laughs> edition of the cast. No, it doesn't exist, oh, but okay, much like God. The Secret, if you put that energy out into the world... Someone will make it. Only on this show, within the first minute of airtime, can you get a reference to Cream Savers and The Secret. <laughs> it's it's a unique it's a unique flavor blend found nowhere else. People ask you Much why like why punk. why watch this show over all the the millions of others. Shit like that. You never know. We're unpredictable. We're loose cannons. I yeah, we're we're out here. We're we're ready to ambush you, ambush you from the big, the big lots deep web. Like so, I didn't realize that cream savers were back. I don't think they went anywhere. They were just, I thought they were discontinued. Maybe I was thinking of like the Altoid sours. <laughs> I love Altoid sours. Like my tongue still remembers <laughs> the pain. A tingle in there so not warheads um warheads i think got too mainstream so they had to like pull their punch but like knockoff mm-hmm. warheads like toxic waste was was a popular brand of knockoff warhead and uh those fucking black raspberry ones like being my dumbass friends I was also a dumbass. I'm not calling them out specifically, but me and my dumbass friends would like try to pop like six or seven of those in our mouth at one time. That's too much sour in case you were curious. No. Yeah. I I really don't know why they discontinued it. Um it's maybe the 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 uh acid, the sour ingredient was just just actually a harmful. little too corrosive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I do see, however, that uh, Sunkissed, they are they, they have a tangerine sour candy. Um, I may have to try and uh, pull it in, see how it comes. You can try to pull it. You're on the Big Lots webpage to order it now. <laughs> it's not like you have to source it through black market channels. <laughs> I don't know. I had to go all the way to the candy corner to find this. <laughs> Candycorner.com. <laughs> CalicoCutCandy.com. A lot of people give. A lot, a lot of people give. Um, we're coming at you with this edition live from Night City. From Candy Corner it's, it's in Night cold. City. Which might just be a drug den and not actually a confectionery. Yeah, you, I don't think there'd be a lot of room in Night City for uh, a confectionery. But, you know, in Edge Runners, they kind of, uh, you know... Maybe it's in one of the shops in all of the places in Night City we didn't see. Yeah. <laughs> they they really I don't remember I don't I don't care enough to remember which district it was in, but they did not go to like the other districts like Haywood. Like they didn't go to Pacifica. Haywood or Pacifica or anything like that. Yeah. They were just in Santo Santo Domingo. I think that was the name um, of it. 
sure. I think that might be a neighborhood, but I don't. It's been a minute since I fired up old 2077, but I, I should get back into it because this uh, this game this show left me longing for uh, for a more authentic Cyberpunk 2077 experience. I guess um, I wouldn't say I hated it. To hate something. Yeah requires you to to feel a, a certain amount of passion towards it that I just could not muster mm-hmm. towards this. Yeah. From from what when we talked about this before, it seems like it falls in the in the large bin. <laughs> the giant bathtub of anime uh you know, just Kurt uh, anime that Kurt is not interested in. Don't in. care for it. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, um you can if you took the whole sea of anime and you took a teaspoon out of it, I think that's about... It's about where I'm at. Well, you see, it's interesting because normally I'm not going to be interested in anime unless I, A, have a childhood nostalgia for it, uh, see Dragon Ball mm-hmm. and Yu Yu Hakusho, or B, it's based on a IP that I enjoy, like, you know, the Street Fighter anime movies and the, the short-lived TV show. This does fall into that latter category, but... Um, like it just, it didn't, my, my main criticism that didn't didn't feel like a story in, in the cyberpunk universe, um, I I still Mm -hmm. will say that to a certain degree, it it got better than it was in the first few episodes in terms of like organically working in elements of, uh, you know, the setting, but it it ended <laughs> shortly thereafter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just as it, just as it, uh, worked up to it. Yeah. This, I, I don't know why I put this on the same, like in the same sphere as super, the super crooks anime, where it's like this American, primarily American anime done by like a gig, done by a big anime studio for Netflix. Yeah. There were, there were some kind of hokey thing things there. to it. Like, I mean, I'm I'm just, I'll admit I'm a curmudgeon. So, like, some people might hear the the ringer from the Cyberpunk 2077 game and be like, oh, that's awesome. They use the same sound effect where I just kind of, like, cringe at them. Like, oh, come on, guys, really? <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel the same way when I, so I when I read the, um, like, Magic the Gathering story, like, when I read the lore on it, and they use the card name, in the or like a spell name in the story i'm like oh no no thank you <laughs> that's a little too it's a little too much it's too, it's too many slices it's enough slices <laughs> uh just like we have enough slices of the pie on tray watch uh, oh like a serving yeah. tray um tray watch weekly trailer roundup and review segment um surprisingly good slate of trailers today, including some some good ones from some sources we normally clown on, um, mm-hmm. such as Lionsgate, who uh, put out a trailer for a movie that I actually think looks pretty darn good, um, which means that it will certainly disappoint <laughs> Jesus Revolution. <laughs> oh, Jesus Revolution, yeah. Yeah, that one, like, this one looks to be like a, you know, a... Um, not not a dead like an underdog, you know, a long shot. Like it that um that folks might not like if a sleeper hit. 
A sleeper hit. Thank you, Kurt. Dark horse. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking of. The the dark horse. The darkest of horses. No. Because um, it's like a Christian kind of movie, but not like a Christian yeah, movie. I think a lot know, of, if you... like, if you look at the like to dislike ratio on YouTube, which you need external tools to do. Thanks, Google. Um, it has more downvotes than upvotes. And I think that's because people are faking that like it's it's like uh, you know, God's not dead style Christian movie, but it really isn't. It's more a story of right. like ex- or at least the trailer yeah, doesn't make it true. look like that. Um it's more a story of like uh generational acceptance and like, you know, the uh, I feel us it's a slightly uh veiled very slightly veiled criticism of the church and its inability to reconcile with like the actual teachings of Christ in the Bible versus the attitudes yeah. of the the average Christian or the institution of Christianity yeah, the, the stodgy uh the stodgy churches of the uh, of the 70s the wasps meet the hippies um and it's got Kelsey Grammer giving a fine performance I can I can feel the acting just radiating off of it and and again it's got the (laughs) i love i love whenever any director or artist depicts the hippie (laughs) jesus like like godspell what a trip what an absolute wild ride uh and this is that same where he's where he's just i guess he's jesus (laughs) I don't think he's actually supposed to be Jesus. I think he's just a hippie who looks like Jesus and like actually Mm -hmm. follows the teachings of Jesus. So I I don't think the movie's trying to imply that this is the second coming of Jesus Christ here. (laughs) No, I think it's, yeah, I agree. It's one of those like, um, those symbols, those symbolism things. Kind of on the nose, but like, you know, you know, these Christians are like these damn hippies. And then this is a reminder that Jesus was the hippie of his day. Yeah. And they, there's like a tent revival in here. So like, and it's, it's, I guess it's one of those, um, based on a true story, <laughs> which again, you know, Christ, based on a true story, Christianity was in fact a thing. Like, yeah. It happened. <laughs> The pastors, they did exist. There was a pastor who welcomed hippies into his church, probably. <laughs> Sometime in the 60s. I thought this movie was about Woodstock when they flashed the 1969 there. Right. But, Because uh, wasn't there, like, wasn't there a lot of, like, religion in Woodstock? I don't think so. There was a lot of hippies in Woodstock. Undercurrent. Um, I think it was more, yeah. like, not necessarily religion, but, like, the spiritualism of that era. Where you're like, we're all connected by the the energy, man. It's the it's the age of Aquariums. <laughs> it's the age of Aquariums. <laughs> um, put your fish, put your soul in a glass tank, and <laughs> sprinkle some fucking goodness on the top. I, I don't know. It's the Jesus Revolution. Yeah, sprinkle some goodness on top. Um, like uh, they're trying to sprinkle some kindness onto. Uh, Tom Hanks as Otto. Okay. Which, so I guess, so this, a man called Otto, <laughs> a man called Tom Hanks, um, this, 
this trailer starts with the with the clock rolling over, and I just immediately thought of Groundhog Day. It, this when right. I when I'm watching this, and I don't know if this movie has no relation to it. I don't think no. at all. Like not not even like thematically. Maybe other than grumpy guy becomes nice. But I saw I just saw the analog clock, and I'm like, oh. <gasps> Groundhog I think Day. that was maybe to demonstrate that he is old fashioned. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I. Uh, this looks decent enough. Um, not like I don't think it's going to be transcendent, but I think it's going to be a, a perfectly fine movie. Uh, the big takeaway here is that are we seeing late stage Tom Hanks become Walter Matthau? Because this is a Walter Matthau role through and through. For sure. Um. I don't know. I I I think I you know when I was watching this, I'm like, you know, Todd he likes to take roles where he can be a kind of an asshole just for like the laugh of it, like, oh, you know, classic wholesome Tom Hanks being uh I mean, I guess he's probably gonna he's gonna turn over a new leaf by the end, but he gets to be uh he gets to be a prick at the beginning. And I wonder what the actual ratio of like Tom Hanks doing like nice wholesome characters to him being like sassy jerks is like because i i feel like he takes a lot of those roles because he can play off of his own reputation and like subvert it for, for See, i don't engagement. like when I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of uh roles where he's like kind of a a sassy curmudgeon i don't come up with a lot hmm like um but what's the one about the plane pilot sully sully yeah i feel like he could be in that that kind of role. So maybe not like, maybe not a jerk, but I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to think like where, where I even got this idea. Cause maybe I'm not thinking of like jerk know. stuff. I mean, I just, maybe I'm thinking of just like where he's not being like tussle. <laughs> I just think of Tom Hanks from the Simpsons movie. Where he's like, let me tussle here. And like little sparks fly off the kid, <laughs> like magical fairy dust as he's explaining the plan to drop like, the apocalypse dome <laughs> on Springfield. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he plays like um. He plays some serious the, roles. I mean, I guess in like the yeah. what was it? The Circle. He played mm-hmm. a bad guy, which was kind of unusual for him. Uh, um, that's all I got. <laughs> what's the one? What's the, the the action movie about the pirates where he's like I'm the I'm the captain. Oh now. uh Captain Phillips. Yeah. So maybe that's something. Just more like uh, see Castaway. Well I guess he was kind of a jerk in Castaway. That was his his character at the beginning. Um mm-hmm. do, 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 Colonna, two thousands, Mamma Mia, here we go again. He was an executive producer of the Mamma Mia sequel. What? <laughs> Oh, those are just his producer credits. I want to see him as an actor. Oh, wait, was he? He was in the Da Vinci Code. Yes, right? was, was that him? Okay. Uh, I guess. I mean, Woody is kind of an asshole. A little bit, yeah. Not as much as like the original version of Woody. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos. That there's like voice no. storyboards of like the original early concept scenes of, of Woody and he's just like an irrepentant fucking asshole. <laughs> Real dick. Um, 
and who could forget history's greatest criminal, the conductor on the Polar <laughs> Express. Was he in Catch Me If You Can, or was that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was in yeah, Catch Me If You Can. He was, I think he was the investigator. He was, yeah. I was, I was trying to remember if it was, because there is a movie, I'm pretty sure, with uh, fucking, oh my God, Tommy Lee Jones and Leonardo DiCaprio that I often get confused with Catch Me If You Can because it's two big name actors that haven't been in the same movie too often. Um, but mm-hmm. that, that's his. And, and of course, you know, we've been, we've been running, sir. We've been dancing around the point of one of his, the, the character that hurt me the most, which is Elvis's handler in the Baz Luhrmann <laughs> That's Elvis true. Movie. We're going to make you a star. <laughs> I want him to come out in that outfit and go, I did not hit her. I did not. Yeah, I'm not sure what. What what accent why was, he was why trying is he, there, but he did not star in Borat's subsequent movie film. I don't even remember when he was in that. Maybe he was like referenced. I I forget. I don't. I, I remember very about little that about that movie except Rudy Giuliani being a creep and um fucking the uh, Mike Pence scene. Hmm. Was he the oh, and was Tom Hanks like the he was the coach in a league of their own? Yeah. Okay. Kind of a curmudgeon role. So now that now that we've reviewed the entire Tom Hanks filmography. We can talk about the people we hate at the wedding. Cause uh we we were at a wedding last week. And uh and I will be at a wedding later today. <laughs> maybe. We'll try not to be those people. Yeah. Um, this, well, their grand crime is being boring. This trailer looks really boring. Yeah, it, uh, it's content for content's sake. Yep. Sometimes you just, when you need a, uh, when you need a romantic comedy, I guess, to kind of tide you over between other romantic comedies. Yeah. uh, Yeah. There is there is a lich somewhere who cannot who has to survive on a th- like if the if he Dorian Gray himself into the theatrical run of like rom coms <laughs> so if and he's single handedly supporting the entire film industry right now because if if rom coms ever stop being shown in theaters he dies said of the uh, direct to video rom com. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's subliminal messaging. It's putting it in their minds. You want vapid plots where people talk about. Let's stuff get married in ninety minutes. Mild jokes. <laughs> What's in your latte? Come the real world. That guy gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie feels like one of those vacation movies where they spent the budget to just go to the location yeah i'm sure that's a lot of that amazon's got to pump out stuff for prime video so they can say look at all these original movies we have are any of them good (laughs) i can i can imagine them next year right using like a one second soundbite from this as part of one of their ad campaigns yeah i could see that 
Um, but yeah, this is they got, um, and you hear this a lot. Like I, we were listening on the way back up from the wedding to uh, Bruce Campbell's autobiography, his first one, and he's like, "Yeah, I've taken plenty of movie roles just to to go on location." <laughs> <laughs> He was talking about a picture he did for Paramount where, like, he wasn't on the call sheet for a lot of it. And so he would just go to the travel agency or, like, they'd finish shooting his scenes early, just go to the travel agent and book, like, a two- or three-day trip (laughs) to wherever on Paramount's dime. (laughs) Like, that's that's Adam Sandler's entire PTO (laughs) contract. It's like we're not gonna give That's you my like, secret. All my off. time off is paid. <laughs> I just stick a camera in front of me for enough time to cobble together ninety minutes of fucking dumbassery. <laughs> yep. This is Jeff Bezos, stop making these movies. <laughs> stop personally making these movies. We know you go down there. You're, you're directorially ambitious. You de- you're derelict in your duties to Amazon and you spend all day. <laughs> Directing rom Is Jeff Bezos, I mean, I'm sure he still owns a fair amount of stock, but I don't think he's, like, involved in a capacity beyond just being on the board anymore. Mm-hmm. Does Jeff Bezos run Amazon? <laughs> now, that's the, now, that's the stupidest question, but, um, okay, so... He's quit as the CEO. Right. Um, he is an executive chair. Yeah, so he's he's on the board of directors. He sits in his executive chair. Oh my god! I fucking... And gets it gets executive paid. I don't know uh, how I landed on a video discussing why uh, Ash is forever ten in the uh, Pokemon anime. But I did, and it was this Asian guy wearing a Pikachu hat, and uh, he kept repeating the phrase, some executive in executive chair. I'm like, why are you so obsessed with the chair, dude? (laughs) The chair's got nothing to do with it. I could have an executive chair. It does not make me an executive, and vice versa. Get my, what's the, uh, not Herman Miller. Yeah, Herman Miller's Uh, the very. Okay. The Aeron. The Aeron is, is a nice, nice chair. There are other. Uh, Herman Miller's that are more expensive and supposedly even more ergonomically beneficial, like the I think it's the M M body, which is like too much money. And <laughs> <laughs> let's, you know, we've delved into the world of luxury shoes, art tables, and now you know. But it was like the first uh, uh certified um like ergonomically positive chair like it improved your posture not just like reduced the strain on your back or something like that mm-hmm. oh that is yeah that is a thousand dollars oh that's it okay that's um, <laughs> pretty yeah. oh, 1800 bucks for the the embody chair in charcoal really i have a oh maybe this is just a e-m-b-o-d-y yeah, it the... is it used yeah. perhaps yep i'm getting it from um, no. Hmm. It's, I guess it's, <laughs> this site has them cheap. It's, I mean, it's. Okay, it's, so I'm the, sure the really Herman nice Miller set, cross Logitech version is less expensive. Oh, okay. So it's $800 for, for the gaming logo on there. 
Well, $800 off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's why... Go shopping around. This is this is our lesson today. Go shopping around for actual deals, especially when stuff costs this much. You can probably find something well, for a re- if more you want cost. a Herman Miller. Here's the thing. So Herman Miller offers a lifetime transferable warranty on like every part of the chair. So if you go online to eBay, you can often find. Herman Miller chairs that are being liquidated because an office is shutting down or they're they're moving on, they're getting new chairs or whatever the fuck. Uh, you can find them used for like, you know, you can find Aarons for like 500, 600 bucks, which is still a lot, but mm-hmm. also a lot less than the 1400 they sell for new. And um, yeah. if there's any like anything wrong with it at all, you just phone up customer service at Herman Miller and they will ship you replacement parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or you could buy a $4,000 Scorpi- yellow scorpion chair off of Walmart <laughs> with with product photos that look like they were taken in a uh, in just a just a drug den. Just an absolute nasty warehouse. Where, like, someone's about to get murdered in that chair. That's all I'm saying about that product photo. Um, it comes right next to the, the 1700 Nautical Mart Aviator <laughs> Aluminum, like, bubble chair. Which looks, oh my god, that looks god-awful. Like, god-awful in the way that I might want it. <laughs> it's like, it's like s- copper leather with like silver on the outside and there's these just rivets everywhere. Well, I have to press and hold to prove I'm not a robot. <laughs> oh no. Now if it but if you do want want the want the quality quality, I did look up the most expensive offering from Herman Miller at least findable by Google and they have a $7500 chair and ottoman. Oh my god, not a, that doesn't even look comfortable. <laughs> no. It like it looks like I would sink way too far you'd back be in like and bent like, like I would a, come out C shaped. You'd be C shaped. That's how you get a hunchback. <laughs> Got a hunchback for my sixteen hundred dollar fucking office chair. Yeah, if you're gonna spend that <laughs> kind of money, this... spend it on on something quality from Herman Miller. Yeah, this this Eames Lounge, which I'm only can I'm mainly convinced that they tack on an extra thousand two thousand for this chair because that's how much they can get the banks who who use this in their lobbies to pay for it like this feels like a very like high-end lobby chair yeah i'm sure if you if you work for a bank (laughs) you probably have very nice chairs and and cost is no object because fucking banks run the world (laughs) if it's past the first if it's past the leading digit, does it even matter? <laughs> if there's, if there aren't, if it's not the second number before the comma, <laughs> don't even don't, think about don't it. Don't give a shit. All right. Um, so that's 
That is people we hate at the wedding. I think the people we hate at the wedding are people who buy seven thousand dollars. I don't chairs. even remember how we got on office chairs from that, but uh, oh right, executive yeah. chairs. It's, right, it's Jeff yeah. Bezos. I'm sure it's a very, very <laughs> there's good a clear story. through line that I'm recalling now. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sure it's a very good story, like like a Christmas story. Um. This is something that they're doing. The Christmas Story Christmas. Um, They're bringing back Peter Billingsley for this HBO Max. Is it a retrospective? Is it like an anniversary special? Let's see. Um, Synopsis. Ralphie connects with old friends when he returns to his childhood home in Cleveland to give... to give his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had growing up. This is the Christmas Story soft reboot. Um, yeah. Or, uh... I might even call it a sequel. (laughs) Christmas Story 2. Another Christmas Story. Um, Comments are turned off. (laughs) Um... So the the trailer is just, which is telling, it's very telling for this. It's just uh, pictures of the sets with with sound from the movie playing behind it. And then it's old Peter Billingsley, like the shot of his lips <laughs> smiling as he adjusts his glasses. Yeah. Not um, a whole lot to go. This is a true teaser. <laughs> like, I mean, heck, like. This, it kind of speaks to the original Christmas story, which was, you know, the whole thing of it was that it just, it was always on TV at Christmas, and you catch the the iconic quotes and the the things you remember, or the, uh, you know, the scenes. I think he's made up to look and, older, because he's, he's only, Peter Bellingsley, like the real human being, is only 51 years old, but he looks significantly older in that, that screenshot of him. Yeah. When did when did the original Christmas store come out? Like nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Peter's Billingsley was a producer on Iron Man. Yes, I believe he was. Was he? Was he in? Um, who was the the scientist in? Uh, he was in Iron Man, and then he came back for um, No Way Home. May have been I his think character, that was him. yeah, because he he is in No Way Home. Uh, he had like a. Why uh, does it default to showing me his producer credits? I don't care what he's produced. Uh, William Ginter Rivia was. They gave him a. They gave this side, this side scientist who is in like two scenes, his own three three name. Uh, moniker yeah. yeah he was that was that was what i remember he was like the disgruntled side scientist who they made a call back to in no yeah I'll, i i'll have to watch the the special features actually i need to rip, finish ripping the of my uh iron man dvd because he might be the one who like uh gave himself a skullet in iron man because uh, he wanted oh, to look look older, 
And uh, Jeff Bridges is like, but you can't shave it all off because you can't upstage me. <laughs> Jokingly, of course. Jeff Bridges is not an asshole. He's a very easygoing man. Um, oh, so I'm now I'm looking at the Peter Billingsley cinematography, which is not, is not quite as voluminous as Tom Hanks. Um, so he was in After Christmas Story. He he rode that to to fame in the Dirt Bike Kid, nineteen eighty five. It's hard to get work as a child actor, okay? <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a, a teen with a magic motorcycle. Ooh boy! It's like I'm listening to uh, the autobiography of Brian Gewertz, who was a uh, head writer for WWE from like late from like when. Uh, Russo and Ferrara went to WCW till like 2006, 2007. And uh, mm-hmm. he did some like screenwriting in Hollywood. And he's like talking about some of the shows he worked on. I'm like, I've heard of none of these. <laughs> <laughs> just He's just doing things. Yeah. Um, his most recent movie was Term Life. Uh, which I think he just played like a bit part. Sounds in like it. an insurance stars. <laughs> I mean, that's the. I guess that's the. Um, that's the premise. A guy wandered around town for by various hitmen, hopes to stay along, stay alive long enough for his life insurance policy to kick in, and pay out for his estranged daughter. Well, that's nice of him, I suppose. Um, just like I said, su- Vince Vaughn, Bill Paxton, and John. Somebody Favre. rang the dinkster. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> rang the dinkster. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So that's gonna be a thing, and I guess all the it's coming out November seventeenth. Which, come on, HBO Max, you had one fucking job. <laughs> well, you know it's because they're gonna throw this into the the Thanksgiving Christmas rotation, or they're they're at least gonna advertise it as such. Because there's no, I mean, there's no TV station that's gonna be airing this. Maybe, well, maybe unless they can sell it off. I mean, you can always you can always sell it. To eventually, I'm sure it'll show up on a Warner Discovery owned TV station. But yeah, who does the uh, who does the Christmas TBS? Story? I think does the Christmas, TBS. which is owned by Warner Discovery. So, man, what a fucking gig! Like, in terms of the programming director, you're like, all right. So for this month, we're just gonna fucking put this one movie on. I don't have to make any decisions now. Run it, <laughs> put it on loop. Uh, I wonder what the ratings for like. I <laughs> can't imagine they're strong for that month. I I don't uh, know. I mean, it is. It's the same at that time of year. It's a great time for for marathons, like the honeymooners marathon. I'd always watch on on new year's eve or new year's day rather because like no one wants to actually watch movies or watch tv um no, no yeah so it's like, there's an, a, a good creed. segue to this or creed three uh, creed th- three so i'm curious to see how uh how many of these they make if they they go full rocky with it but this one is uh, directed by Michael B. Jordan, making his directorial mm-hmm. debut. Um, it looks 
okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty well put together kind of story. I can. Yeah, it's. It gave, the trailer gave me enough of a through line where I'm like, okay, I know what the setup is and kind of have an idea of the beats. Doesn't. I don't know. I don't feel like I. I had the whole movie shown to me. No. Or I, if well, it did, it didn't feel like I've I had it spoiled yeah, for me. I mean, because I still want to. I would still want to see it, even though I haven't seen any of the others. It's a basic Rocky slash Creed plot, you know, a boxer with some connection to main character uh, shows up, causes some trouble, and then they have a boxing match. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like it's the way the trailer sets it up. It feels like this is the the story arc is almost going to be like the build up to a wrestling feud. Well, that's what all the Rocky movies are like. (laughs) Yeah, you got to. That's true, I guess. You gotta you gotta set up the fight, you know, hype hype them up before they have their big fight at the end. Yeah, boxing. Yeah, movies. it's uh, it's kind of similar plot to Rocky Five. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, chance that this comes out a little bit better than that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I do like. Um, or I guess I appreciate the kind of turn that this has taken as compared to like other revival franchises or reboot franchises. Yeah. I I feel like this one is different. It's, I like the first Creed quite a bit. I never got around to seeing Creed 2, um, but I did enjoy the first one. I was actually very impressed with uh, Stallone's performance in that movie. I'm like, I bet his agent is like, we can do dramas too. See, look at this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wasn't was an OG Rocky? Yeah, it was. Really kind of but like, like you that. know, Stallone, he got a reputation for his later career work. Sure. But yeah, it, like the original Rocky, he wrote himself or or helped write, and uh, mm-hmm. it was a huge that, hit. Was that the one where he infamously uh, had to uh, give up his dog? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, don't know if he sold it or sold, yeah, kind of. He he got some money from someone to to rehome it. And then uh, after Rocky hit big, he went back to the guy and like gave him like five times as much money to get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cla- classic heartwarming story. Yeah. Classic. But classic. Uh, Stallone's more talented than people. Horse give, the woods move. Give him credit for. Yeah, because he's he's done a lot of schlock. I mean that's fair. <laughs> he's done he's done a lot of schlock, and you know he doesn't present himself with a lot of uh, gravitas much of the time like you know he's he's a smart guy and like the th- some of the things he's written are, are pretty well put together but like when you listen to him talk he doesn't sound like a smart guy <laughs> i think people right. kind of judge him judge him by that and then you know the endless rocky sequels kind of damage yeah. the reputation a little and, bit and and falling for the stopper my mom will shoot crap <laughs> Did you see the picture on Reddit of him and Schwarzenegger carving pumpkins together? No. Oh, I, there's a picture floating around on the internet of Stallone and Schwarzenegger carving pumpkins together. So I guess they've buried the stopper my mom will shoot hatchet. Wait, why does this say Step Brothers? Why did I say? I looked what up are you doing, Step Stallone Arm. Oh. Oh, that's fucking. Uh, what? 
All right, I may have to watch this later. It's a YouTube video of someone deep faking them into Step Brothers. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, pump, but pumpkin carving. Let me see. Um, oh God, why is it? Damn, entertainment magazines. Yeah, where they both have the fucking combat knives. Yeah, it's great. They carved their pumpkins. Uh, Stallone did not. There they are in cowboy hats, smoking stogies. Stallone did not do a good job of uh, following the lines that he drew on his pumpkin. (laughs) Yeah, not quite. (laughs) Schwarzenegger's was much better. uh, It's pretty well put together, but... You know, Stallone is as Stallone does. They, you know, it's it's wild to me to think that these are guys in their like mid seventies now. Yup, everyone's getting older, and we're we're right there with them. We're trying <laughs> we're to find right the there. next the next stars. No, I don't know that. That well, I guess they do want movie stars, but the thing about movie stars is the studios have less control over them. They're unpredictable, so I don't know how. How much they really want more movie stars, but uh, all's quiet on the Western Front. We got the first official trailer for that. It looks pretty good. Uh, hats off to you, Netflix. I don't know if you had a hand in the production or you just. I think we we read up and determined that they just bought it after viewing at a film festival. So, yeah, fair enough. Easy. You enough. had a good one. It um, seems. Hats off. You know. This is my this is my salute to all you kids in ten years who are watching this in U.S. history class. <laughs> enjoy your day, enjoy your cheat day, unless you have to take notes. In which I, I feel, feel like sorry this is going to be more of a uh, global, or, yeah, English lit, yeah, yeah English lit or like global history or, because this is, I think, from the perspective of the Germans. Germans, yeah. Um. So yeah, but who, whichever class you're watching well, this after, in. if you're an AP Global after your AP exam, I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna get to watch this movie and write a a, a bullshit 500 word essay because they have to they have to make it in a lesson somehow. Yep, gotta fit it in somewhere. But yeah, it's I mean I don't know I haven't they've made an all quiet movie before, right? Yes. It was okay. I think pretty well received. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Like this isn't the kind of thing where people be like, "Oh, this this version was just a travesty." You know, they'll all be. You know, this kind of property, I feel like, is just at worst it gets. I think mid. we, You're yeah, like, I think okay. we have the the historical war drama down to a science at this point, where very few of them are terrible. They're either like inoffensively mid or pretty good yeah take your girl out to see people we hate at the wedding and then t- then take your guy out to see all quiet on the western front except it's all both it's movies all are on streaming services so you don't even have to go out <laughs> wear your sweatpants it's all... microwave yourself some popcorn <laughs> grab the grab that carton of butter flavor but if you are interested in What's going on at the box office? We'll take a look at that on the follow-up here. It is weekend 41 of Year of Our Lord 2022. October 14th through 16th. Another movie that's available on streaming. 
somehow took the number one spot. Well, I, what do I mean somehow? It's up against fucking Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> and Lyle Lyle Crocodile and Smile. Smile in its third week. Um, Halloween Ends opened with a pretty strong $40 million weekend off of... Uh, the back of 3,900 theaters, so pretty much every theater in the country is showing Halloween Ends, um, despite it being on Peacock. But I think this just speaks to how terrible a service Peacock is, that people would rather spend the money to go to the movies than try to watch something on Peacock. There's <laughs> just, it's a barren wasteland, yeah. Um, unless you're the, well... We'll get to that. We'll get to Cat Daddies. Sixty. But we got to talk about Halloween yes. ends. We got to talk about the people. It does talking about find ends. itself in our spotlight this week, and um, I know personally, in our personal lives, we've we've gotten mixed reviews. Uh, we we watched the Red Letter Media review of it. They were very bullish on it. Um, a mutual friend and coworker of ours was uh, less mm-hmm. bullish on it. And uh, the truth, as it often does, likely lies somewhere in the middle. But I think this is really a movie that your perspective on what a Halloween movie is will greatly influence whether or not you enjoy it. Um, On the the critics' end of it, 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb. That's a pretty low score. 39% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 57% audience score a 57% positive rating on Fandango, and uh, 1.9 stars out of 5 on uh, user reviews from Google. But we don't we don't care yeah. about any of those. We know where to go for the real hot takes, the hottest of hot takes, uh, the IMDb user review section. Only real reviewers can give you takes of this, this, this heat you need to... Mm-hmm. Halloween may end, but the real reviews begin. Where does it end? <laughs> Reviewers don't end. They just change Perhaps, shape. Perhaps they've just set up a new series of sequels with a younger, more cost-effective star. <laughs> <laughs> Who can tell? These guys can tell because they, they, they saw the, the movie. movie. Uh, Kim Yurar 8. <laughs> K-M-Y-R-A. Don't know how you wanna wanna take a stab at pronouncing that, but I'm going with Kim, Kim Yara. Uh, eight. Yes. Two exclamation marks. Ex- uh, submitted October fourteenth. Okay. So I don't know what all the bad and negative reviews are for because this movie is awesome. Truth be told, I love all the movies from the series, but the acting, the plot line, and the cinematography is outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it. We're gonna take there's a drink never, for these now. We're taking a drink. According to IMDb, there's never been a movie with bad cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kyle Richards and Jamie Lee Curtis, and I'm so impressed with Andy uh, Matichak and Rowan Campbell, especially Rowan. He is such an amazing asset to the movie, exclamation mark. Please ignore all the bad and negative reviews because I don't understand why people would have anything but the best of things to say about this awesome movie. The underlying message within the horror series tied everything so perfectly. 35 out of 78, found that helpful? Well, 
I I guess so. Um, on the other hand, we've got Jujote with their uh, with their one out of ten scathing review. Poor Mikey, Mikey, I forgot he forgot the L. Uh, poor Michael didn't have a bigger part in his own movie. Yeah, I knew I might be disappointed watching this, but I can't help it. I'm a huge fan of Carpenters and Hills Halloween. It's like going to a different pizza place, thinking it'll be the same experience since it's pizza, but it's not. It's disappointing because it's made by someone else who usually just makes burgers. The other great slasher classics like Psycho and Black Christmas. Man, you knew their hearts were in it. They were meant to make pizza. I mean horror <laughs> movies. That being said, roses are for Ned, violets are mine, this movie sucks balls. 15 out of 21. Obligatory mention that Black Christmas is the favorite movie of Elvis Presley. Oh. The original, I assume. Not the uh, the two other remakes. Enjoy. Peace out on Rigel 5. <laughs> Glad to see you back with your people. Um, and in the middle well not in the middle well under the middle we got our mid review from uh seed jones at seed jones ass with with now this guy's a stats head this guy is an absolute <laughs> stats nut we're gonna hear a lot of numbers being thrown around here you don't you gotta keep up with Try this one keep up. okay with their four out of ten uh 4.4 4, 110 pounds versus 190 pounds warning spoilers an end to a franchise that is both average slash good and bad at the same time if it hadn't managed, if it hadn't dragged the Halloween title after itself, it would have worked as a sort of semi-entertainment. As presented, though, unfortunately, it is a shame and disgrace <laughs> to the title, to John Carpenter's awesomeness, and to the countless efforts put by dedicated and talented people and crew, cast and crew for the past uh, approximately forty-five years. That wasn't the way to finish the franchise. Its purpose completely unclear, <laughs> void and nil. And it's box office cash flow, a mesmerizing mystery. I'm not mad. It is what it is. A below average, thrilling movie that is worse than thorns on dried up desert cactus. At least Jamie Lee Curtis's character got her unconscious wish to be present and remain alive till the end of the script. 110 pounds versus 190 pounds. That makes all the difference. Here's the, now he's got the he's got the baseball card stat breakdown okay. here. Uh, screenplay slash story three development five realism four entertainment six acting six filming cinematography 6.5 vfx 6.5 music slash score six depth two logic two flow four horror thriller three ending three <laughs> one out of four helpful <laughs> he gets he gets an advantage on saving throws at nighttime yeah, i think he has a, a plus two to wisdom <laughs> <laughs> but a minus one to constitution his fucking his his uh pen of user reviewing uh brian douglas envy so i assume he's from nevada um has a difference of opinion uh 10 out of 10 one day we will know how good this movie truly is <laughs> I've not read the bulk of this review. I just chose it for the title, now, so we'll, we'll see what we're in for here. Now, he just watched this, so he should know. 
Someday we will realize how good this movie actually was. It's an iconic break from the one-note predictable slasher horror film formula. It shows how we create the evil in our society and the undertones of how our actions create creatures like Michael Myers. I have read many negative reviews about Michael Myers not having as much screen time as he should, but I would argue he had more in this movie than in any other film in the franchise. By understanding how society creates evil, it also answers the question about how society created Michael Myers. I know that when the first movie in this franchise were created, that was obviously not the goal nor the message they were after, but this franchise would not be possible using the same old formula of every other horror movie out there. There may be new horror films lately that are beginning to bring out a much deeper message, and I would argue that this trilogy of the franchise does exactly that from beginning to end, and especially with the end. Going into this movie, one must take it for the message it's trying to relay. If you are expecting another typical Halloween franchise slasher film without a cerebral element, you will be very disappointed. And if you want some thought and deeper message to what you're watching, you'll probably enjoy this movie as much as I did. Either way, I highly recommend the entire set of the last three films. That went right through <laughs> Sylvester Stallone into Bill Murray and Caddyshack. I, st- and, uh, I started with the Rob Schneider uh, trailer voice, and then slowly, slowly devolved. <laughs> that was intentional, by the way. I, sure. I, if you if you go back and listen, I dial it up every new paragraph. No. It's impossible. No one can control their accent. <laughs> it's physically unheard of. All right. And uh, now for something completely different. <clears throat> Halloween Resurrection is no longer in last place. Spoiler alert. This was beyond terrible. <laughs> People always talk how bad Halloween Resurrection is. Well, at least Michael Myers is in Resurrection. This was Friday the 13th Part 5 of the Halloween franchise, and Laurie can just take him out with a few stabs? Yet in the previous movies, 2018 and Age Kills, he was shot multiple times, stabbed with a pitchfork, Ran over, left in a house set on fire, beaten to death, and shot by the whole town, and he still got back up. Ellipses. <laughs> but Lori and a kitchen knife were no match for Michael. I think he meant were a match for Michael, but I will refrain from editorializing. The movie is complete garbage, and the few kills shown were in the trailer, of course, and 90% of them weren't even Michael. What a strange opening. We should feel sorry for the babysitter that turns murderer. Michael Myers lives in the sewer and goes after his mask that just happens to be at Lori's house. He doesn't even know who she is. No one has ever said, this is that girl from 40 years ago. They just assume he is aware. (laughs) It's not like the whole town knows and, and hates her for no, it. That was not at no, all a plot it's point. Not, like that. not even in the trailer. 199 out of 274 people found that helpful. <laughs> all right. And uh, finally, from Smarmalade, got there four out of two, four out of ten. Um, the one movie where we wished evil actually died that night. 
Holy Jesus on a rotting pogo stick. From okay to bad to just whatever this is, Halloween may be finally be over. You might get confused five hours into this movie that it's actually a Netflix show and you're half season into some random young couple horror series, but no, this is Halloween 2022's movie. Like the last movie wasn't so much off the ball with this franchise, this went to a whole other football field. It's like there is ra any random script and they touched it up a bit to kind of fit Halloween movie slate. Actors mostly didn't care, except the guy that played Corey. He was giving it his best. What even is this? I feel dirty after watching Halloween Ends, and in a bad way. But also I'm glad it's finally over. It was literally a chore watching this. Fold laundry, check. Make breakfast, check. Watch Halloween Ends, check. Go walk the dog, check. From the love... Of the first movie, the classic, the golden standard horror genre, we came to watching Will Patton and Jamie Lee talking about cherry blossoms and eating vegetables and whatever the F is going on in this motion picture feature presentation. <laughs> but hey, it's over. At long last, it's over. Watch it and celebrate its demise. Go wild. Now give Who me horns. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of five. <laughs> well, that's Halloween ends. Hopefully. Holy, holy Jesus. <laughs> what in the Jesus Christ on a rotten pogo stick is this, maggot? <laughs> uh, and Halloween reviews end. Hopefully. I have to review another Halloween movie. Or read the reviews of another Halloween movie. Yeah. Uh, in second. But that made that made $40 million. Made 40, it's, it's up to $65 million worldwide, plus whatever money it funnels the peacock yeah uh smile opened in second no not open in second fell to second down 32.2 percent pretty good retention only out of 47 theaters 12.5 million bucks lyle lyle crocodile also similarly pretty good retention uh down 35 and a half percent to seven million dollars what's that up to now that has made 28 million dollars uh the woman king is still in fourth, down 28.5%. Uh, Kevin Smith's latest has brought in another $3.7 million. Uh, 777 uh, theaters have dropped it, though, like it's hot. Amsterdam Amazing. dropped two spots. Um, I actually I thought this looked good, but I guess uh, it, it was not as good as it seemed. Or at least didn't connect with a wide audience because it dropped fifty-seven point one percent in just its second week. Uh, not a particularly strong opening yep. to begin with, down to two point seven million dollars. So far, brought in nineteen million worldwide, and there are some pretty big name actors in here. So I assume that it's coming in under budget. I don't know. I think Walt Disney did this so they could put out a movie and not have to spend a lot on animation or CGI. They've already tasked that capacity. Yeah, so just taking a quick look at Amsterdam, uh, 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb, only a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, and only a 62% audience score. So I guess... Uh, that might be our spotlight next. next that week. or we could watch it. <laughs> yeah, we could we could go see it and have another installment of uh, Masterpiece yeah. Theater. Because the, the, the first series. installment totally aired. 
<laughs> the, the reviews are in. They're speechless. Stunned silence. <laughs> uh, Don't worry about the movie, <laughs> darling. Drops the spot down 36%. 2.2 million. Uh, it's around $79 million worldwide, despite all the uh, backstage chicanery, or perhaps because of the backstage chicanery that drew interest to the film. Yeah. Uh, the style's very Barbarian. Styles. Stays Barbarian. in seventh, down 37.4%. <laughs> it's an anagram for Airbnb. Yeah, except it, it isn't. There's no D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yep. Bar, bar, it's bar, close. Bar. It's got all the right letters in it. It's got, uh, one point three million dollars for that. Uh, up two spots from last week. Uh, Terrifier two. Two. It's it's making its it's widening its release. Actually, it's in less theaters than it was last week. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no! I I it's read in that seventy wrong. less theaters, but it managed to bring in twenty eight percent more at the box office. Uh, we we know someone who is hyping up Terrifier too. Um, yeah, I'll I'll watch it when it comes out on streaming. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Bros is in ninth and just its third week down another 56.7 percent under a million dollars 933k for bros dropped out of a thousand theaters 1100 theaters they just said we're done we're all right we it. gave it a shot <laughs> pull the plug and did not receive well yeah stunningly in its 21st week at the box office still in the top fucking 10 in only 900 theaters. <laughs> yes. In only 900 theaters. Top Gun Maverick, $687,000. Good enough for 10th on the list. Next week, it, it might finally drop out of the top 10. But 21 weeks is, you know, almost half a year. <laughs> That's the drinking number. And um, it beat Barbarian in per theater take. And Barbarian was in seventh. <laughs> Do you think they can hold out for a for a Thanksgiving release? I don't think they. I think they're gonna. They would take a break and re release it Christmas if they're gonna do I, that. You know, I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's in nine hundred theaters after twenty one fucking weeks. This movie's playing by its own set of rules. Yeah, he's taking. He's taking. Uh, Gary off the grid. He's taking. He's um, having a social security number for Roy. He's taking Roy off the grid. <laughs> Roy, that's what it was. Yeah. Um. So that's the top ten. There are a couple shoutouts. Uh, one for for Till, which did that just release on mostly release on streaming? Well, because it's only in sixteen yeah, theaters. Yeah, this might be. United Artists is a production company. I could easily see doing a, a limited release but i think it's widened this week because it's showing at all the regals near us okay which i okay. could see so, you know crossgates being one of the small few theaters but like east greenbush i would imagine it's a wide release if it's at east greenbush 
Yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I think that's I think that's all it's got to be, because I, I was a little surprised that it's in so few theaters, considering the um, the amount of advertising. That yeah, I'd say it's probably just its um, uh, debut. Uh, Clerks 3, Kevin Smith's other movie, uh, got an unexpected surge. Uh, Why? I guess they just, no they, change. I, Maybe they released it as a yes. Fathom event. It doesn't show any numbers on on theaters or or, or changes, but it's up okay. eight thousand seven hundred seventeen percent from last week. Which, considering like it's it only made uh, hundred eighty five thousand, means that the take before was like nothing, like a hundred dollars. So you know, releasing it, the releasing will do that. Um, I'll also shout out in 30th in one theater, uh, Cat Daddies. I think I'm guessing this is a, a film festival type of deal, um, but it, it, it's Cat Daddies, a heartwarming collective portrait of eight unique men whose lives have been changed by their love for cats. Why wasn't it? Why wasn't it nine? Why was it nine? Cat well, maybe Daddies? it's a documentary. What are you film? doing? Um, some of these men will navigate the unprecedented challenges of 2020 with the help of these feline friends. Also, shout out to a movie in 49th that made a whopping $50 in one theater. Uh, a Silent Voice, the movie. <laughs> the f- someone released the fifth an- they they released it again on the fifth anniversary. They're like it was some some dude's house where he's like hey we're doing i'm doing a show i bought out the i i did a i bought was what's the term it's like four wall like right that, yeah. where you buy the theater space for a showing he's like guys i four walled i four walled the local amc we're gonna be showing silent voice we're doing it at i don't know maybe there's maybe there's like a I, con it's an something. anime movie i did not realize but yeah, that's that's the follow-up there. Let's talk some gaming news, because there is quite a bit to discuss this week. Yes. Um, so the, the never-ending stream of hardware releases continues with Intel's 13th-gen Raptor Lake CPU lineups. Uh, the high-level summary is that the 13900K... Um, does beat out the 7950X from AMD in gaming performance and is pretty close in terms of compute. It's also cheaper, but it is far and away the least energy-efficient piece of computer hardware I've ever seen. Um, Just... It's literally... It draws... Up to 300 watts under an all-core load, which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you pair that with your 660-watt drawing 4090. and you... Turns out the actual array of bits is just a bunch of light sensors <laughs> and incandescent bulbs. Um, yeah, it doesn't... That's how they... I, I would say that the 7900X offers better value um, because that is 500 fit bucks instead of 660 for the uh, 3900K, and it's close enough in gaming and about equal in terms of compute. Um, but the 13600K is the real star of the show, because that fucking 
trounces pretty much all of the Zen 4 lineup in terms of gaming performance. And it is a, a fairly affordable chip at like, I think, 250 bucks is what it's going for. Um, so if you're in the market for a new CPU, I believe there are still um, some... Uh, whatever the socket for 12 gen is, I don't know off the top of my head, <laughs> motherboards that support DDR4 RAM. So if you're looking to get in on a platform and you don't want to have to spend the premium on DDR5, uh, Raptor Lake's looking pretty good. Uh, I would strongly recommend the 13600K to anyone looking to build a new system uh, in the current year. Um, although I will once again point out that um, if you still want to go budget if you if you're picking this up to build a new system you're not going to have like socket support beyond this so if you want to still save a little bit more money there are some pretty good deals right now on ryzen 5000 chips i've seen like the 5800 x3d for you know 300 bucks that's a very good gaming chip as well Although the 13600K is competitive with that and less expensive. So maybe that's not the best example. But I've seen like the 5600X and the 5700X for like $120, $150. And the B450 or B550 or any AM4 motherboard can be had for a very reasonable amount of money. So that's also an option. Um, but it's a good time. Competition's good. Their Intel and AMD are, are trading blows back and forth. Let's hope that competition in the GPU sector can tighten a little bit because Lord knows NVIDIA needs a kick in the nuts. Um, yep. Well, that's... that's <laughs> Someone's got to drive it. Yeah. That's the drive short innovation. summary of that because I, I don't have the, the energy to go through full breakdowns of this. It's just too much. <laughs> that's... It's absolutely Scorn fine. is out. Scorn. Now, if you might be wondering, why the fuck are you guys talking about this random game? Well, children, <laughs> for those of you who are, who are, are not OGs, <laughs> we yeah. first talked about Scorn on, like, I think the episodes were still in double digits. <laughs> it might have been, like, 2017 yeah. or 2016. So we've been watching this game's development for a long fucking time, and it's finally out, and it's on Game Pass, and I will check it out and give you my review at some point. Yep. People are, I, from what I've heard, people are, like, up and down on it. Obviously, the parts that are good are really good, which is what you want. Um, and there, I know some of the criticisms have been, oh, the puzzles might are a little too hard, and maybe it's not... Uh, it's it's not also a great adventure and shooting and uh, action experience, in addition to being one of the most uh, detailed yeah. and uh, highly aesthetic games we've gotten in the past year. It's Sorry, very guys. atmospheric. Uh, some of the criticisms I've seen for it also are that it's not particularly scary. It's more like mm -hmm. creepy, but, you know, like... right. Uh, that's that's a valid <laughs> that's valid fine. approach what, to take what was it yeah what was the other game that came out um around the time where it was also a gross hell game where you were like demon in hell um i don't know but i do know that um 
Gotham Knights is out now. It launched uh, yesterday. Um, it is okay. receiving some pretty good praise. Um, the writing and gameplay are both being praised, but uh, a lot of reviewers can't help but say it feels kind of... Uh, I don't know what the word is. The, the the phrase that's been thrown around in like seven of the ten reviews I've read of it is that it kind of feels like it's in the shadow of Batman, the Batman games. Mm. Which, I mean, yeah. Duh. Great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the next installment what? in the Arkham series. <laughs> um, the system specs needed for are pretty beefy as well um they recommend for uh a 1080p 60 fps experience on high that you have a 10700k or 5600x as 16 gigabytes of ram and an rtx 2070 or rx 5700 xt those are pretty high for 1080p 60 um even the low yeah. settings, they want a 9600K or a 3600 and a 1660 Ti or 590. Those aren't high graphics settings. So I gotta, I'm curious to see if that's just like really poorly optimized or they're like. What's, what's pulling all of that uh, beef? Yeah. yeah. What's, what's required? So, yeah. And like, the port is being done by QLock, which is a pretty good porting company. I'd say they're up there with uh, Nixies, who did the uh, Spider-Man Remastered port, which runs really well on my on my systems, um, both of them. And the the one upstairs is a little under specced, I guess, technically for for the settings I play on, and it runs just fine. So um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how it performs. Um, yep. But that is startlingly high, especially after yeah. the uh, the mess of a launch that Arkham Knight had on PC. You'd think they would have put a little more thought into that. Yeah. To making it accessible, yeah. Who knows? Maybe they're, maybe they're trying to like, well, here's my... Here's my obligatory bring VR into everything, right? Maybe they're trying to do like a be able to have it set up for a VR port later. I don't know. No, no. Um, ba, ba, ba. That's not really, that's a stub of an article. Um, there have been a couple deaths. We have some Blood for the Blood God mini clip. I'm sure, sure many Ooh, of you no. have memories of. I can't believe they survived past the end of yeah. Flash. <laughs> I mean, th this might be related to that. Um, yeah, uh, Adobe Flash shutting down at the end of 2020 had, I'm sure, a huge amount to do with it. And they probably had enough games where they felt they could keep the site open, but it just didn't have the traffic to, to pay the, the server costs. So. I mean, the other thing is... Kids, kids don't go to flash sites for games anymore. Yeah. You get unless there was it, now if there was like a mini clip flash game pass app. Yeah. Right. Where you could play like those games in like a game pass fashion on your phone. That would be cool. Yeah. But 
to to your point, Peter, like kids don't fucking play games on the computers in the computer lab anymore at school. They all have their phones and just play fucking I don't know what what's the hot mobile game these days. Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Let's see what the uh, pride pride still clash of clans. Honestly, um, and trending mobile games. No, no, Grand Theft Auto Four Five is not a mobile game. <laughs> sure, feels like it with the amount of microtransactions. These are all just console games that happen to be on your phone. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm looking at this list. GTA Five, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Five Nights at Freddy's, Genshin Impact, Grid Autosport, Greece, Legends of Runeterra. Okay, that's that one that actually looks like a mobile game. Levelhead, Pub PUBG Mobile, Call of Duty Mobile. They're just they're just console games on your phone. Yeah. Ah, you don't get to Candy Crush until number twelve on this list. Well, level head looks like a uh, yeah, that a looks mobile like a game. Mobile game. Clash of Clans. I remember 16. Legends of Runeterra and and that being hyped up as a competitor to like Arena and whatnot. On on the ten cents, PUBG Mobile has been awarded as the number one mobile game with more than eighty five million downloads. Can't argue with those numbers. Um, but you can argue that, uh, well, I guess you can argue that 11 months was, was too long or too short for the G4 TV's revival. Um, yeah, G4 TV, this revival got off to a, a bad start when one of the uh, hosts went on a uh, a feminist screed, I guess you'd call it. On, on their main show, they had a moment, and had a heated gamer yeah. moment, and uh, the the programming, the G four TV, the novelty of G four TV was that oh here's here's gaming stuff on the television that's not done often. But it was kind of, when G4 TV launched originally, it was kind of like at the uh, the genesis of the explosion of, like, gaming YouTube in general. I mean, yeah. So, like, you know, back, I, I'm not like an OG OG, but I've, I did gaming content on YouTube as far back as 2009 when it was still, like, kind of small and you could actually get discovered right um when let's play was just when you just played your game in 10 minute increments yeah. and then um like i want to say around 2012 you know youtube just exploded with all this content and there were you know channels covering gaming news and rumors and you know like did you know gaming type fact videos that really kind of took over and made G4 TV irrelevant as more people got smartphones and access to YouTube on devices other than the computer. Um, it just kind of made G4 irrelevant. And now that they, when they tried to relaunch it, they were competing against these now more established brands 
and so you kind of had very little room for for error there. Uh, maybe you had a little more money behind you than some of the independent creators, but uh, it just didn't work out. <laughs> and I, I can't say as though I'm terribly surprised. the 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 game is the game has changed. The format has shifted. Yep. Um, so the big Konami's big announcement of what's next for Silent Hill is in fact mm-hmm. nothing new. <laughs> Silent Hill 2 remake. It's, an, it's another Silent Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? I because it was I saw the trailer for Silent Hill F. Maybe that um, was the which code they, name for this. I mean, maybe there's another thing they announced, but the like the or tease, but like the thing that they announced this is happening is there's a Silent Hill 2 remake coming. Um so Okay. So yes, Silent Hill F is something that was announced alongside okay. it. So we'll we'll see what that brings. But they did announce the Silent Hill two remake, which has a lot of people excited. Um, I guess I'm excited, sort of. Silent Hill two fucked me up. <laughs> it's not not a fun time, <laughs> but um, it is undeniably a uh, survival horror masterpiece. Um, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see how the remake goes. They're trying to do the same thing that um, Capcom Resident Evil has yeah, been doing did with yeah. Resident Evil um, um, while at the same time releasing this Silent Hill. Kind of like Capcom did is, with, you know, RE2 remake and alongside uh, Resident Evil 7. We'll see how they adapt. But um, yeah, this is the fun- Silent Hill F, the fungus among us. <laughs> that in the 60s. Girl. The girl turns into Among Us. Um, people are... The hype for this is not necessarily the game or any of the expected gameplay. It's the writing. The uh, writer... Uh, the scre- the game screenplay, the script, is being written by Ryukishi 07, who, I guess, wrote the uh, Higurashi When They Cry uh, series. I, I know the anime was a big horror, a big horror hit. Um, so this is, yeah, Kurt, I know you love anime. So this, it's being written by, <laughs> being written by our, our anime or, or light novel, uh, writing. Well, I mean, uh, I do guys. enjoy manga, so it's not necessarily like Japanese storytelling is bad in my opinion. It's just the way that they translate things into the anime is, uh. They don't rely on the fact that it's a visual medium <laughs> as much as they should. <laughs> they got to explain what they're doing <laughs> instead of just let me watch what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. They don't have time for that shit in the manga. <laughs> or at least when they do it in manga, it makes mm-hmm. sense because, you know, it's a still image. Mm-hmm. But no, we got we to gotta hold on this one frame while people are talking with their faces facing away from the camera for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, um, but they um, they've announced a couple changes to the Silent Hill to remake. Um, they will be reworking the combat, which was janky as fuck in the original, and there won't be fixed camera angles. So, um, just like they did with Resident Evil Zero and then RE Two remake, they are modernizing the controls for current sensibilities. Excuse me. 
which is uh, not a bad thing, in my opinion. As as much as you like these classic games, you have to admit, if you go back and try to play the original Resident Evil games with tank controls, it's pretty fucking miserable. <laughs> Um, Obsidian CEO Fergus Urquhart has spoken into existence. He's, he's trying the secret. Um, he says that they want to make another fallout. <laughs> he's putting it out there. My hope is that before I ride off into the sunset, I'd love to make another fallout game. Now we kind of laugh, but the thing about it now is that Obsidian has done a lot of work with Microsoft in the past. And mm-hmm. Microsoft now owns ZeniMax, which is the parent company of Bethesda. So by proxy, Microsoft now owns Bethesda. I think there's a greater chance today of another Obsidian-developed Fallout than there was you know, before this purchase happened. Um, obviously... I want to see that. Bethesda has done no great service to the Fallout IP, in my opinion. I know that's not exactly the most popular opinion out there because a lot of people, you know, never played a Fallout before Fallout 3, so they have no concept of what quality looks like. Um, Right. They like Fallout the shooting game and not Fallout the RPG. And there, there's even more people whose Fallout 4 was their first Fallout. And, like, I liked it. I'm like, oh... Oh, sweet summer child. Um, but Fallout New Vegas is, I mean, it's no contest. It's the best 3D Fallout that they've ever made. And it's the only yeah. Fallout game since Fallout 2 that really kind of stands up to the legacy of the original. And I would love to see Obsidian get another crack at it. Um, what? What surprises me um, is that, like, it's it's just interesting to me. I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of time going forward, but um, that they went back to they want to do another Fallout instead of continuing on with Outer. Worlds. Well, I'm sure they they have plans to make another Outer Worlds as well, um, but you know, a lot of the people at Obsidian even still are, you know, original Black Isle veterans who worked on the original Fallouts. It's it's their baby, you know. And they they okay. know how to create stewardship with it. And there's you know, they, they put so much time into building the lore of, of that series, you know, like I can I can see and it's The Outer Worlds was a good proof of concept, mm-hmm. but it it's very short and the story and, and characters and decisions you know, they're not super, like, I never felt the need to go back and play it, but I, I'll play New Vegas again. What I want is, you know, I think what can please everyone here is just let them remake New Vegas. Maybe, like, not on the fucking Gamebryo engine. <laughs> yeah. So that it can run without excessive modification on <laughs> PCs. Right. Oh, I did you see that video? I just thinking of, I was just thinking about these kind of era games getting getting updated and remade. Did you see that video the other day that was like Skyrim with like eleven years of mods built up on it, and it looks fucking great. I did not see that though. With uh, eleven years, yeah. Let me see. Um, I was like, hey, hey, this is what like a. Uh, 
<laughs> this is what a triple A production should look like. Or I think I I don't know if I gave it to you right in the middle, but um, if you go to like you know a minute in, you can kind of see like oh, oh yeah, Skyrim. Um, yeah, that does actually the land look of the really good. <laughs> Like we could, why can't we have this all the time? But you know, like if, the the mod tools for Skyrim are just insanely open, and like yeah, basically they've remade Skyrim from the ground up <laughs> in yeah. terms of like the mods that are available. You can completely rebuild the game almost from a source code level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess my optimistic hope is that people at the 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 people who, as you said, are are from the the days of Black Isle OG in you know the time of shareware <laughs> and and those things would understand how you know taking cues from from the community and and the passion of the fans as a as a good place to get good ideas and maybe have something that's a little closer to this in in another Fallout game. Yeah, that would be that'd be fucking awesome. I would really like to see that. Um, I I I kind of slept on New Vegas. I won't lie. Um, when I first played New Vegas, I was like, "Oh, it's fucking amber coated Fallout Three, gross." Um, but but like I that. I gave it another crack, and uh, I I like my first real like super serious. I'm gonna try to experience as much as I can. Uh, playthrough was um earlier this year i had played it through before and i had i had found like the main story to be enjoyable just there were a few like quests early on that are a pretty difficult if you don't have great equipment which you probably won't early on and i didn't know how to skip them and be overly long Mm -hmm. but turns out you can bypass a lot of those things and then you know i i got pointed to some some awesome quests that you can do i've never been to the super mutant compound out in jacobsville which is like one of the best areas in the game because it it does the most to like honor the history of the franchise you know they talk about the super mutant invasion of the uh the first game and you know there's references to the enclave and stuff there's a lot in the game that i had no idea was there before and i was like holy shit this is amazing they cranked this out in how many months 11 what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's it's amazing the just the level of difference between you know between people who really have passion for it and those who don't you know who aren't all the way hundred people who understand (laughs) <laughs> what the franchise is meant to be versus people who are just like, ooh, this is a cool skin for our Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> Todd. And and let's not let's not forget that Bethesda, who who made those all those Fallout games, they were the ones who made the who made the horse armor DLC for Skyrim. Or Oblivion. Or yeah. Oblivion, yeah. They they started they they pl- they didn't start it, but they they planted one of the seeds. I mean, that, yeah, they Bethesda had a lot of ambition and 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 stuff earlier um, in their career, and now they're just kind of riding on that legacy. We'll see how Starfield turns out if it ever comes out. 
Uh, lastly, related to our uh, feature today, um, former adult film actress Sasha Gray will be the voice of radio DJ Ash in the Cyberpunk 2077 expansion. Um, sure. I saw that and I was like, is that, I, that name seems familiar. <laughs> is that who I think that is? And yes, it is the same. I would say she's got to do something now that she's probably not in the biz. I, I think know. she does she real, does real like acting now. Yeah. As I was say, like she probably doesn't need to do anything at this point. She, if she wanted to just not have to work again, she probably has enough. She's, Probably built up enough money where she. Let's see her IMDb. I don't think that would include any of her. uh... Her her scandalous. I don't know. There's 219 credits as an actress. (laughs) That seems like a lot. Um, I saw right when I googled it, the first result was throat. A cautionary tale. The girl from the naked eye. I mean, there's no way they put. Like pouring up on IMDb, right? Uh, Saints Row the Third. She um, was uh, oh, she was Viola De Winter in Saints Row the Third. That's cool. All right, so she's done a lot of voice work. Most of these seem to be uh, voice work, but yeah, okay. So a lot of her porn is on here because there's shit like uh, Ass Eaters Unanimous Come Nineteen. <laughs> Come Fiesta 2 is better than 1. Naughty Bookworms But Man Stretch Class 2. 12, 12 Nasty Girls Masturbating 8. I Want to Bang Your Sister. The King of Coochie 4. Face Fucking Incorporated. Secretary's Day 3. Sporty Girls 2. Fuck Slaves 3. Razor Dolls. <laughs> Circa 82. <laughs> Pop Goes the Weasel 2. Pure. Come Fart Cocktails 5. Slam it! Exclamation point in a young whore. <laughs> Is that like Bop It? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're playing up with a with a bop it, and then it says slam it, and like, well, guess we gotta <laughs> swallow this twelve. Fifty to one, four. Oh no, bitchcraft. <laughs> oh, that's that's gag ridiculous. me then fuck me three. <laughs> Grand theft anal eleven. Homo erectus. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Uh, I, in case you haven't noticed, we are not, I'm not particularly a peruser of the. Not like professional adult stuff. Store. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, you know, we're, we're adult men. We watch right. porn. We masturbate. It's, it's part of being in a, a grown up. Everyone does it. Don't feel shamed. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm not a peruser of professional content. By the time I was 18, internet porn had exploded, and the print business was pretty much underground. It had popped, you could say. Um, 
but there she is doing doing cyberpunk doing 2077 like cyberpunk 2077 edge runners Woo! edging yeah <laughs> edging. speaking of um yeah the uh the Netflix adaptation anime. Adaptation <clears throat> is a strong word. I think uh, this is set in is uh, maybe more appropriate or inspired by perhaps. Um, I I yep. really don't have a ton to say about this. Like this, everyone, every critical outlet, major critical outlet. Granted, like the review volume is not high. Like you see the ninety nine percent or one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, recognize that that's out of 13 reviews. <laughs> um, right. There's not a whole lot of review volume for it. I feel like it got some, for some reason, it got a lot of My hype on, understanding um, is that, well, this largely comes from you, is that it, it's made by a major studio that's done a lot of anime that people like. So it's it's mm-hmm. bound to get hyped up even if it's kind of mid. Um, and, you know, it might just, it if it's your, if anime is your cup of tea, I I suppose this is a, a decent enough cyberpunk anime. Um, and, you know, anime is, is right. really the progenitor of the cyberpunk genre, um, more so than, you know, mm-hmm. cyberpunk 2013 or 2020 were. I don't. A lot of people don't yeah, even know that those the, exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This feels like uh, from. I guess from the attention I've seen from it, it it really mostly is from uh, teens and and young folks who don't who haven't seen a lot of a lot of anime. You know where they're they they watch they watch their Naruto's and their and their One Pieces and their my hero academias and they saw they had the cyberpunk game and they're like i'm gonna watch this and then like a character dies in it, and they're like that's never happened in a show i've watched before <laughs> character died oh no i i thought i was gonna have him for the whole show I, i'm inconsolable yeah. now it's like i as soon as i start like i saw i guess i saw some um maybe some spoilers or some trailers or stuff. I'm like, this is a cyberpunk game. Like no one gets out of this alive. No one gets out of it. I mean, yeah. If, if you, if you played cyberpunk 2077, which I guess this, the one thing I will give this anime credit for doing is it drummed up a lot of interest in cyberpunk 2077 against amongst people who hadn't played it. And, you know, somewhat controversially, I, I stood by it at release. I'm like, I know that it was not in a finished state and it, it's inexcusable to release a product like this and charge money for it if it's in that state, but it ran fine for me and the game itself is pretty damn good. Um, and now a lot of people are finally getting to to experience that. And as is often the case, history is proving me correct. Uh. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I'll say that, you know, I... I'll never discount a studio for taking a, a you know a lemon on release and polishing it up until it's delicious lemonade. I I am miss I love my I love me some Nomansky <laughs> and their fucking endless updates. Just keep putting content in the game. 
So I, I understand the feeling of, of the, the holdouts who are feeling vindicated that that cyberpunk is turning out uh, to be a, an enjoyable game. Yeah. And uh, wow. much more enjoyable, uh, at least to me, than this the show was. Mm-hmm. It's so I, I mentioned this to Kurt. I said, you know, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, you know, it's not even the best um, anime about punks in a in a city uh, going up through the ranks of organized crime, featuring sci-fi elements made by a major studio. Not even the best one of those, yeah. <laughs> um, because I. So, for those of you who are curious, why I was being so specific, um, if you watched Edge Runners, I would encourage you to go watch Gungrave. It's by the guy who did Trigun, and it's also based on. It's also an adaptation of a video the game. The first, uh, the first scene of this gave me major like fucking uh, flashbacks to Trigun, so I can. If there were a connection somewhere in there, I would I would totally mm. believe it. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if anyone involved from that was on Edge Runners. Um, but yeah, they. I almost feel like the people. I don't know. I had wanted to look up and see who did like the animation work for this. I wasn't. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, you at home can obviously do your research. But I felt like some of the people who worked on like Space Dandy or some of the folks who worked at Madhouse came over here because I, I just some visual motifs. I'm like, I feel like I've seen that in like Redline before. Yeah. Um, but definitely the visual style is it's big, poppy, flashy stuff where uh, I think the mo- the MO was if you fill the if you fill the frame with enough colors and crap, you can uh, yeah. and enough um animation it's not the aesthetic Um, what the animation there isn't like awful but it definitely is covering that this is a it's trying it's really trying to puff up its feathers you know and present itself as big as possible which when i really imagine that the budget was uh, a fair bit more constrained than you yeah probably a mid-budget affair um yeah like i it's not the aesthetic that i would have chosen um, you know, when I think cyberpunk 2077, you know, night city in the daytime doesn't necessarily fit this, but, um, like neon grunge is how I would kind of describe the, the aesthetic. And I think they tried to hit that, but there's, there's more color and every, all, all the lines look is... very clean. This is one of the more optimistic portrayals of Night yeah. City. And I know if you watch the show, you might be like, what? That's crazy. But I'm like, yeah, no. This is, as you know, f- from what I saw of this and from the little bit I know of context about actual cyberpunk, I'm like, oh, this is just like big city. But like sometimes you watch VR porn and guys have robots. Yeah, like, like wow. I talked about a little earlier, you know, like, they pulled elements from the game, not always in a way that's like super organic to the story. They did a little bit better of it as, as time went on with the show where it's like, okay, you're following your mark and you know, sure. It's believable that they go to 
a brain dancing club to to watch some brain dances um whatever but it it didn't feel like i feel like they could have told largely the same story maybe with some some name changes anywhere like it didn't have to be night city Mm -hmm. yeah i i guess i could see that because yeah just a lot of it takes place in like i don't know just generic kind of cityscape I guess maybe there are some individual spots where, like, I remember that from the game. I mean, there are, I I don't know, like, not specific spots, but I'm I'm terrible with remembering, like, specific spots. Um, So that might be more on me than the show. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot, Night City's pretty big. (laughs) There's a lot of areas to it. And they didn't really explore that space much, but... At the same time, I can kind of respect uh, narrowing the scope of it in the interest of telling a tight story. But you got to tell that tight <laughs> story. <laughs> story, yeah. Um, there is, there is a the through line of the, like the plot is like there's a lot of theme talking. People talk about like themes and emotions and stuff in this, but. Like the actual through line of the plot, it really is not strong. Yeah, I guess the the major like, element is cyber psychosis. Like the story, I don't know. I <laughs> guess yeah. Well, the the main like thematic element is like following your dreams versus other people's dreams. Sure, um, but like the the plot is, I guess, spoilers. Um, Mister Martinez. He he gets an implant and then does crimes until he dies. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and it's it's one of those things where he very early on they they set him up as a character with nothing nothing to lose and then they try to give him an emotional anchor which uh you know I guess parallels uh Cyberpunk 2077, mm-hmm. you know, V and Jackie kind of have a have yeah. a similar dynamic and then you know there there are several potential uh love interests for uh v in the game that kind of give him something more to live for but unfortunately uh spoilers for cyberpunk 2077 his time is limited uh just like uh david was it david yeah, yeah. um but David, Even David's though, situation is entirely self-inflicted. <laughs> like he, yeah, he gets the sure. implant installed in him out of vengeance. Uh, he uses it irresponsibly, even after being told uh, the dangers of irresponsible use to it. Um, his mm. relationship with uh, white-haired girl. Uh, oh, not not. I want to say Ivy, but that's a fucking soul caliber. <laughs> Um, li- 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 <laughs> so that right there tells you how Lucy. Lucy. Okay, so that the fact we yeah. couldn't remember her fucking name uh, tells you a lot about how uh, how well done her character was. Um, mm-hmm. she was uh, you know, for for the kids watching this, welcome to the concept of you know manic pixie dream girl. 
Yeah. Like the 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 sweep you off your feet female love interest. Yeah, and and their like the relationship so contrived and so forced. Like it did not feel organic mm-hmm. at all. And granted, you know, how much can you do with 10 episodes? I think they could have done a better job. At- you could do you can do a lot with 10 episodes and I don't think they I don't think they did. Like yeah, cuz her characterization is like she just kind of like loves him unconditionally. Like even when he's like in for the no reason. His, like there's no when he's going off the deep end. There's no yeah. connection there. Like the their 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 meet cute is under false pretenses, <laughs> and then right. he gets honey potted. But she loves him anyway. For reasons that aren't really explained. That's just a couple episodes later. He's like, oh, yeah, my dream about the moon. That was real. And he's like, I'm going to take you to the moon, girl. It's like, you're like 16. You don't even know how to fucking drive a car. (laughs) (laughs) Going to get her a ticket. So when when Um, David ultimately. uh, And that's the closest thing they have to like a goal. When he ultimately doesn't doesn't make it you know like i didn't care (laughs) i didn't care about any of the characters you know the gang leader who you know developed cyber psychosis like we have two episodes to get to know him and like in Mm -hmm. those two episodes he has like 15 minutes maybe of screen time they don't do a good job of establishing reasons for you to care about any of the characters i mean i guess you can feel a certain amount of empathy to David because he's social outcast, whatever he loses his mom. But those mm-hmm. story beats come so fast and furious in the first episode that there isn't like time for, for the emotion to resonate. Yeah. I will also say that like the gang, the edge runners um, doesn't like, I guess they're cyberpunk in terms of that's what they occupy, but they don't feel like, like I don't feel like they have the punk part of cyberpunks. Like I, I will reference Gungrave again. Um, so half of that, so ha- Gungrave is kind of hard to to recommend to people, even though I will, because half of it is like a very grounded, regular, no science, no sci-fi mafia story, and the other half is zombie Frankenstein using uh, the Django coffin chain gun. <laughs> to murder uh bio mutants and they're like two separate halves but the 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 crime part of it which is like the backstory those guys really feel like punks like they feel like kids who just like they have literally nothing and they're like stealing scraps to get by and one kid has like a gun and that's why he's like the top dog because he has <laughs> he he could afford a pistol and meanwhile you have these cyberpunk guys where they have like the best uh, net, you know, the top net runner and the kid with the special, the super special implant, and they have like infinity guns yeah. and a wheel man. And I'm like, this is not, these are not the scrappy underdogs they feel that like, they're trying like, to tell us they, they are. They want to be Avalanche from Final Fantasy VII more than they do, like, you know, scrappy punks. And mm-hmm. it just, it's unbelievable kind of that they'd have like this this small cadre of gang and they'd operate independently when you know cyber the night city's run largely by 
the larger gangs, well, what isn't run by what's left from Arasaka is run by the larger gangs or right. independent operators that operate through fixers, which they do show a fixer in there, but they get one job from a fixer. The rest is just their own schemes, which, you know, you would get, you mm-hmm. could crack down on a lot faster, either by one of the rival gangs or Arasaka <laughs> than, than they seem to, to be allowed. Right. And if if they were such a, you know, if they have, you would think that the bigger gangs would have stuff that would give them an advantage over these guys. And if not, why are yeah, this not? This a I big mean, that's in that that in particular is is an excellent point. This the super implant, this, which I don't know how it works because like, uh, I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it does all the math so you don't break your hand when you hit someone but like it's pushing like the whole concept is that he can move fast it's like he he has super speed but he's still doing super speed in a normal human body for the first half of the show and like you punch someone at like this slow-mo mega speed your hand turns into you uh... dust (laughs) especially someone who's got their own apparently combat yeah, based and implants like um you know normally you would explain that away by saying oh yeah they've got other implants that uh you know reinforce their bones um take the shock which, yeah i mean later it, in the show they, they they do a time skip and uh right they they show that he's gotten additional implants but the criticisms were levying happened before said time skip as well um, and it just like the concept that there's this mm-hmm. super implant running around that, um, there's no counter to like another thing that's really big in cyberpunk 2077 that is just flat out missing from the show is the concept of hacking other people. Yeah. I saw like quick yeah. hacks used like twice. If, if this implant were to exist, you know, they were, Someone would, would would work on quick hacking to disable it. Like, th- there's no way that in this world they don't have an answer to this. <laughs> right. In fact, like, when he has to go up against anything larger than a rival gang, the, you know, the whole point is that it was like a military-grade implant. But when you're fighting anything larger than the gang, turns out everyone else has military-grade yeah. implants, too. Um, funny, funny side joke that I laughed at was that they, again, they call it a military grade implant, but anyone, you and me and every other engineer knows that military grade is not necessarily a a mark of, (laughs) (laughs) which, um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I don't know. I could see someone like hacking it. And just getting him stuck yeah. like that for like a day, or you know, if his brain is on the precipice of of you know, you know, frying anyway because he uses his implant god too much because he's like fucking sixteen, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they could just flip a switch and turn him full blown cyber psycho. <laughs> yeah, like I I do appreciate that. Like the end again. You know how I love me some hyper competent characters who do clean up the the baby face stupidity at the end, 
And I will say that they did yes. Adam smash I, justice to his lore, where he's just like, what I did are you appreciate doing, kid? <laughs> like, oh, you got a, you got a cool <laughs> implant. I was I worried that they were going to do some bullshit when Adam Smasher showed up on, on screen. I'm like, oh, oh, please don't. Because <laughs> this is like, you know, the. <laughs> I would say he's as directly as a the, as much of, of the a boss of Cyberpunk yeah. 2077 as there is in that game. Like, you know, Johnny Silverhand's beef with Adam Smasher is a major driving force for the game. And he is, you know a big part of one of the most iconic quests from the table tabletop game and you know one of the you know big henchmen for Arasaka so i was like i swear to christ if they have him fucking scrappy underdog his way past adam Sh- if he jobs adam his smasher, way out to david i'm going to be upset but no <laughs> adam smasher does what his last name suggests that he would do <laughs> just just wreck shop um and it's it's great I, I do appreciate because they build up David. He gets all this stuff. I, and he gets I the hate, cyber skeleton. I don't think it's a, a going, mark of the show storytelling that when the villain kills one of the protagonists, I'm like, yay! <laughs> I don't think you've succeeded in making me care about these characters. Yeah. Um, I will say for as good as it looks, uh, again, you can tell that... Um, there were there were corners uh, snipped little things, you know the classic animation stuff where you just really just hold on a frame for a good five ten seconds, just eat up a few minutes of runtime there holding on this frame, not moving, not you know maybe put a couple ADR over it so it yeah. sounds like something's happening, and then you can save your budget for. The fight scenes, which you need to have the animation for, but like the um, whole plot, yeah, I largely inconsequential. Yeah, what? So I have a question. I do have a question about the plot. Um, Lucy, as a kid, was she was forced to do net running in the old net. Um, was that related to twenty seventy seven, where they're trying to find? Um, Arasaka's old boss, like wasn't yeah, so that a plot line Pas- where the old boss you go to Pacifica, they pulled his engrams back, and you have to find this uh, AI entity, something like that. Some old, maybe I think it was actually an old net runner who got like lost in the the deep part of the the net there, and you had to go like contact yeah. them because you believe that they would have information on how to remove the the engram of Johnny from V without, uh, you know, the consequences being, being them. dire. And uh, so you go to Pacifica and you go into their janky fucking <laughs> ice tub set up for their, their net runner thing. You're like, oh, God, how yeah. the fuck is this going to work? And then you, you you make contact with them. But, yeah, that that is something that's kind of touched on briefly. I mean, it's a major driving point for that section of the game but like the its overall consequence to the story is okay i didn't know if the old arasaka's engrams were like in the deep net in the perhaps it's been a minute since i've I've played through i should probably Mm -hmm. because that felt like they were making a reference to like something like we were looking for something we don't know what 
but if you know if you play the game you probably do um, know what yeah as as far as my recollection holds up um there weren't a lot of direct tie-ins to the events of the game i would say the most like direct tie-in was the presence of adam smasher <laughs> yeah i guess pe- people were calling out like oh i remember this oh, lady oh yeah the, from the, the game. fixer the, yeah you the, know, the one the, the fixer lady and, and of course yeah, yeah it was the like fixer. the animals and tiger claws and stuff Just like that incidental but, yeah like there's no mention of like the arasaka tower bombing um kind of a big deal <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh you know <laughs> the name johnny silverhand is not mentioned once um they go like they go yes, to the afterlife, they, they go to afterlife. at um, one point yeah but it, it's it it i think it, the the idea was for it to be its own independent story which is fine although certain things mm-hmm. like the arasaka terror bombing uh probably would be mentioned but yeah yeah says lovey um my yeah my final thoughts on this is if you like anime uh honestly as much as we've been trashing it i will say you're probably gonna find it an easy watch if a little bit underwhelming if you don't like anime as as kurt does i think yeah, you'll find it a slog Either way, I don't think it's good enough to, like, stick with you past a little bit. Um, It just kind of washes over you. There's nothing too deep or memorable, I don't feel. Um, Looking at it objectively, at least, as objectively as I can. But that's Mm -hmm. that's Edge Runners, baby. Yeah. If you really liked it, all I'll say is... There's a world out there. Good for you. It's so I'm much I'm not better. trying to, to yuck your yums if you enjoyed this. I It, it wasn't for me, but that's going to mm-hmm. gonna be a wrap on, on today's episode of the Sound Says Podcast. We'll be back next week with our review of Black Adam, uh, which we thought was coming out earlier, but we had our dates confused. Um, Got switched. The I know the the reviewers have gotten to it first, the, pro, yes. the uh, press release reviews come out Promises. and they don't look good not kept um <laughs> so we'll be back next week with that jake will be returning the following week so uh, until then be well stay safe probably like it's 1995 Bye-bye. peace bye-bye